Hi, welcome to the Little Way Podcast. I'm Drew. And I'm Jessica. And now we are going to roll our new intro song. This week, we are going to be talking about my conversion story. Yeah, that's a really uh, interesting thing. I'd like to I'd like to hear more details about it, too. So if you tuned into last week's episode, which we had nine people do, which I think is a great success for our first episode. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. guys. Yes. Uh, all nine of you. Thank you. Tell everybody. So, uh, if you listened to our uh, episode last week, I mentioned that I am not a cradle Catholic. I am a convert. And I actually grew up Mennonite. Now, when a lot of people hear Mennonite, they think horse and buggy, just like the Amish. And they think, how in the world did you get from being that to Catholic? Well, not all Mennonites are horse and buggy. That's the old order Mennonites. Um, And there are a significant portion of those, but there is a much larger portion of just Mennonites that are like everyday ordinary people. And that's how I grew up. Um, And the prime things about being a Mennonite are obviously being Anabaptist and uh, passive resistance to war effort And then the big one also that strikes me is, or that was impressed upon me for some reason, was no drinking. But as I grew up, I quickly found out that lots of Mennonites drink, so that doesn't hold exactly true. Um, Yes, because everybody needs a good beer. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah, life life would be less interesting without good beer. So, um, I was actually... Interestingly enough, always around Catholics growing up, uh, the babysitter. Oh, really? Yes, uh, the babysitter I had um, growing up, or for the majority of me growing up after school, um, that family was Catholic because she had an in-home daycare set up, and so that's probably where I was first exposed to it. Um, and I, I didn't know, you know, the difference between being Mennonite and Catholic, all I knew is they just went to a different church than us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tried to ask my parents about, you know, well, what's this Catholic thing? And all the only answer I really got was, oh, it's just, it's just different than us. It's, you know, it's just not the same. They still believe in God and everything. And, and, you know, come to find out them telling me this was because they themselves 
really didn't know that much about being Catholic and why it differed. Um, mm. yeah. 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 And I, I think that's interesting because um, that gets uh, to a lot of Catholics actually not knowing what makes them Catholic because of uh, poor catechesis. But so that's a different issue. Um, well, and if someone asked me, you know, it, like if if my son Caleb came home and asked me about a kid at school and his religion and how we're different, I'm not entirely sure I could answer the question. So, um, no. you know, it's like you just know your own thing. Yes. And I but I think that also speaks to why in the world are there so many different Protestant denominations? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, um I digress on that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, from an early age, I was actually around a lot of Catholic people. And um, I didn't really know that I was. I just knew that they were Catholic. And also in the town I grew up in and the school district, it is primarily Mennonite. Um, it's a very large um, portion of uh, immigrants or originally immigrants because uh, the Mennonites came over from the Prussia area in Russia uh, in Europe and decided a lot to settle in the Midwest. So all throughout um, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, the Dakotas, and all up into Saskatchewan because it was farming ground that they were familiar with. Mm -hmm. So that's why I ended up. You know, it's why a lot of them ended up in the area that they are. And, you know, as I went on, I I, be, I was baptized when I was 17 or 18. I don't remember at what point exactly. I know I was a senior in high school, so I think that would make me 18 at that point, if I remember. Um, and I was baptized into the Mennonite church, you know, and I was, I was fine with that at that point in time because I hadn't really explored anything else. And then I went to college and college is that time when you are offered a lot of different um, things to explore. And freedom. <laughs> yes, lots <laughs> of freedom. Sometimes too much, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with that freedom, you know, I started church shopping. And I think that's where I first started being primarily dissatisfied with being Mennonite. Um, and, and not because there wasn't good people. Um, but I went to the church that is in Manhattan, Kansas. And they were very largely unwelcoming. And it's oh, the Mennonites? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. I gotcha. Yes, the Mennonite church was very unwelcoming in Manhattan. And I thought that was so bizarre because here's this church that maybe has 150 registered, um, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, parishioners. And which is relatively small, right? Like, am I? Am yes, I that, about that? that's a relatively small church because, you know, consider the population of Manhattan, Kansas, when schools in session is what, 60,000 plus people? Yeah. Yeah. So you have 
only 150 people that are permanently at that church. And to be unwelcoming just seemed rather strange to me because wouldn't you want to grow your numbers as much as possible? Especially when you have a large base of young and impressionable youths running around. Right, right, exactly. So from that point, um, I was also involved a little bit in Campus Crusade for Christ. And I started going church shopping. And I think the primary church I went to, other than the local uh, Catholic parish, was an evangelical free church. And that was just weird. Um, what does evangelical free mean? Or Honestly, I don't even know. Okay, okay. I'm going to be, a, a, it was not apparent in their service, and it seemed like a large kumbaya circle. Mm, okay. And so I was just like, I, I, I don't know if I really want to come back to this. Um, so I think it went a couple of times. Um, but that just wasn't satisfying. And I don't remember exactly who invited me. I think it was one of my friends invited me to go to the uh, local campus parish there called St. Isidore's. And right away, something, something just moved in me. I felt at home. And things made sense, even though I had maybe been to one Catholic service in my whole life growing up, it just, it just made sense. I felt at home and I noticed that there was a real set rhythm and a a beauty to things. And then I also found out that every single Catholic church reads the same readings on uh, Sundays, which that was a big plus yep um you know so i don't have to wonder what the readings are for that sunday if if for some reason i'm sick and i have to read the readings at home which now during these covid times if i'm (laughs) sick i can watch mass online which is great yeah Uh, it's wonderful but you know that was a big plus and so after that i really i guess a proper word would be discernment, um, deciding if I wanted to go through RCIA or not. And I think one of the big pushes that finally pushed me over was you gave me a couple of apologetics books that you had in high school. Yes, I remember that. Yes, and I read those. And I don't think I have really actually, I mean, I had read a couple of, I guess you would call them pseudo-religious books, but they weren't like specifically any towards anything, just like, you know, Christianity is good, you should be Christian type of books. And so those apologetics books gave me a very um, a solid, I guess, foundation it would be to wanting to become Catholic. And so that following school year at Kansas State University, I signed up for RCIA classes. And the my session met, I think it was every Wednesday. And the really cool thing about St. Isidore's 
is they have two sessions a week and they are absolutely filled up Mm -hmm. every single session. I think they had room for 60 people. So there would be uh, 30, um, you call catechumens and then Mm -hmm. 30 sponsors um, and then whatever other RCI team members needed to um, take part. Now, here comes the really cool thing that I don't think you knew about. Maybe you did. Um, so my babysitter growing up, her son was actually one of the team members in my RCIA group. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. And I am still friends with him to this day. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. That's yeah, a, yeah I, I, I know I was in, in, in our life, we were walking alongside each other through college for those couple of years. And for some reason, everything was so, my memory was so fuzzy of those, those times. Um, how long, okay, so you were baptized around 18 years old. Yeah. And then how many more years until you were confirmed into the Catholic Church? So it would have been. So this took place during my second year at Kansas State. So I would have been 20 at the time. Yeah, I would have been 20. So two years. So the RCIA program, if you are baptized and you so choose to be. It is like drinking from a fire hose because you are baptized and confirmed within a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how long does that usually take a, a normal a normal cradle Catholic. So um, Catholics are normally baptized as infants, and then we receive our first communion in second grade. Okay, and then um, and our first confession those happen kind of hand in hand yeah and then um we usually don't get confirmed until high school it could be anywhere from freshman to senior year in uh in high school and uh, and that that basically completes your um catechesis i guess if you will um so yeah it's it's a lot to take in when you're converting it's like you know 18 years consolidated into two or less yeah usually much less um now i gotta say that that process you just described is for the roman rite um it is different in the eastern rites um it is uh much quicker in eastern rites and that's it um I won't get into that here, just from my little studying that I've done on the Eastern churches. It is much quicker in the Eastern churches, just due to the different way that their traditions develop. So mm-hmm. I just, I need to make a, a, a preface on that, that the Eastern church is different. So if you're, okay. if you're Byzantine, yeah, if you're Byzantine listening to this, you have a different set of traditions, which is perfectly fine and right because you are in accordance with the Pope. But yeah, so I uh, went through RCIA and 
I must say, I did thoroughly enjoy RCIA. It was something that I really looked forward to every week. Um, and I was still in Campus Crusade for Christ at that time. And it was something I very much looked forward to more than Campus Crusade. Um, mm -hmm. And there there's some issues with Campus Crusade, just like there's issues with everything. And we can touch upon those later. Um, but I it was really kind of affirming that um, the Catholic Church was where I was supposed to be. And if you're not Catholic listening to this, we want you on board. We want you to become Catholic. So go talk to the local parish and find out how you can start RCIA. Um, I just, I have to add my pitch into there because I want everybody to be Catholic. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, it was very much enjoyable. And then that Easter came around and I was confirmed. Um, and then I think because it does do our, um, it is important to say that after that, I did end up moving to Montana. And I will admit, I did have a little bit of falling away, nothing to do with the church. It was all on, um, that's on me. But I, I think it also goes to say that everybody is in continual conversion because even though I did fall away for a little bit and I wasn't going to church, I came back right? and, and I know, I know that's happened for several people, um, you know, cradle Catholics and, and converted Catholics alike that, you know, they fall away, but then for, you know, somebody's praying for them and it brings them back It brings them back to the church. And that's a yeah. part of continual conversion. Even those of us that, you know, are very active in the church, um, you know, and pray daily. We should also be praying for conversion on a daily basis because there's always something that we can be doing better and always something that we can be striving to be more Christ-like and following the Trinity and listening to the Holy Spirit and, you know, just being yeah. open to yeah. what, uh, what needs to take place. Yeah, and I think it's just part of the, the human experience is not very smooth you know there's going to be bumps in the road that just shake your faith whether you're a cradle catholic or a convert you know there's always something that's just gonna either shake you or make you feel numb um and so yeah you never know when you're gonna have to check in and either take a step back or you know convert um, whatever it may be, it's, it's just part of life, you know? Yeah. And, and I think too, I think it needs to be said that if you have questions about your faith, it's not a bad thing. It just right, means right. you want to know more. And I think having questions is a good thing because then you get to delve deeper into our traditions. There is so many, so many rich and wonderful traditions and authors uh, in the Catholic faith that it's unbelievable. I mean, you could just stock a whole library with purely Catholic works alone. And, and I think that's another beautiful thing about the Catholic faith is that there are so many wonderful writings that you can just fall in love with. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think today I, I saw somebody say it was the feast day of Saint Thomas Aquinas. I'm not for sure on that. I didn't check on that, but it might be if you want to look into something that really gets your head thinking looking at Thomas mm -hmm. Aquinas. It's it's a lot of it's beyond me. I'm not gonna lie. I have to have somebody interpret to me what it actually means. But there is some very rich works um that he has been a part of. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the modern people that um at least I, I know I listen to them, um, like Bishop Barron. Oh my God. Yes. That, yes, that man is a wealth of knowledge, and sometimes he does get like way over my head, and I'm like, "Whoo, Bishop, bring it back down to earth." I can't understand you. Yeah, but, that's that's why I can't listen to some of it in the car because I'm like, I have to focus on driving. I can't focus <laughs> on you right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it can be deep, but oh yeah, like. I've just become a, a podcast junkie lately, and I'd say over half of my podcasts are just Catholic apologists or, um, you know, sermons or, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's it's just, you know, and even being a cradle Catholic, going to, to Catholic school from kindergarten to uh, senior year in high school, it's just like there's still stuff I'm learning that I'm like wow and it, and it makes sense because you know some stuff maybe I did learn it when I was a kid but when you're a kid you don't know what's important and what you know is should be retained it's just more than you can handle yeah so you know it's like some of the things I've learned lately it's like well you know, even if I did learn that in high school, I don't, I don't think I would have understood it then. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's mm -hmm. almost like God is like giving you the, the Holy spirit is giving you these little nuggets of truth that you can handle at that moment in your, in your life. It's like little stepping stones. Yes. And I, I think it's also kind of, important to note that everybody's faith journey is different. It's not like cradle Catholic is superior or, no, you know, it's like that's... there's some people who, who might make five conversions from, you know, different denominations throughout their life. And, you know, that's just, that's just their path. Those are their stepping stones. And that's what our life is here on earth is just a journey back to god and yeah. so if if someone has 15 stepping stones or 20 stepping stones you know we're all going in the same direction yes yes oh well that's wonderful so i think i think uh as i'm looking at the time that we're recording here i think that covers up my conversion story. Um, just a quick note, too. Um, we are distributed on uh, six different podcast platforms. It may not get to them all in the same day. Uh, the distribution service we use is a little bit slow to get out to some of them. 
Um, but it does get out to all six. Some of them I hadn't even heard of. Um, but it does get out to, I know, uh, Spotify, Google, Pod- Google Podcasts, um, Anchor FM. And then there's three more that I hadn't heard of. But uh, yes, does it, it go does, to Apple? It does not go to Apple. Oh, okay. Yes, it does not go to Apple. Um, that is the one I don't think they are affiliated with. Okay. Unfortunately, but, you That's know, right. we're, yeah, we're doing this on, on no budget, so <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's what we get. Uh, we're blessed to have what we have, so. Yes. All right, so until we see you next week, I guess this is where I say um, my little tagline, uh, stay faithful, stay humble, and remember, every little change can make a big difference. God bless.